Welcome to the Big List Podcast, the podcast where we list the weird, the wonderful, the interesting, and sometimes the downright funny. We are your hosts, Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) (laughs) No, we are your hosts, Ames and Katie. And today we are going to be giving you a list all about the gifts that keep on taking. But before we do that, can I just say... Yay! We finally made it! (laughs) Um, For all you listening out there in Waveland, I'm going to call it Waveland because it's not radio waves, it's podcast waves, but wherever you're listening, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We have worked really hard to bring you something that we can be proud of and we hope you really enjoy it. And as our little welcome gift to you, our first three episodes are actually going to be all Halloween themed. We are launching in October, so it just seemed appropriate. And my co-host here is obsessed with anything macabre and spooky. Anything horror-based, movies, you name it. Love it. Yeah, and she loves scaring the absolute snot out of me. (laughs) I do. Um, So the first three episodes are all going to be about spooky, ooky stuff. Um, Also a little bit fun, and hopefully you learn something along the way. But we won't bore you anymore. Let's kick it off with our very first list on the Big List podcast, The Gifts That Keep On Taking. Let's do it. Number four. So you're ready to hear about my first item. You are way too excited the way you <laughs> said that. So give me a moment to call an Uber. <laughs> I would like to leave. Okay. This one is going to shock you. I, I think you're going to find this one particularly creepy. Okay, so let's get cracking. So I'm going to talk to you about Peggy the doll. Yeah, no, I'm out. <laughs> you heard Peggy, right? Uh, I only know a very little bit based on what you've told me, yeah. and I had nightmares for a week. So. Yeah, so, so let me tell you, Peggy is apparently one of the UK's most haunted dolls. So I'll describe her. So she is porcelain. She has blue eyes. She has a short blonde bob haircut. Um, very thin drawn on eyebrows. So really that's that's her problem right there. Yeah. Well, she's very representative. I think of how dolls looked in the 1960s. She was very typical. Um, She's a little bit creepy though. So let me just tell you a little bit about Peggy. So Peggy's story is that she claims to cause headaches, sickness, breathing difficulties And this can be done simply by looking at pictures or videos of her. So Peggy's reach is far beyond any other haunted dog. So you're saying that you have a picture of this doll Mm -hmm. at some point that you're planning on showing me. I am. And I've watched a few videos of Peggy. So, And I'll get to that. So Peggy's backstory is that she was found. So before being found... I have no idea, Peggy, where she was. So she was actually purchased by a woman at a yard or a garage sale. Um, As soon as the woman purchased the doll, brought it into her house, she apparently had problems sleeping. Um, And this continued the entire time she had the doll. Um, And she'd always have these little weird things, um, these unexplained things around her house. 
Uh, so things like seeing shadows, doors opening and closing. It got to the point where the nightmares were so bad that she wrapped Peggy up in a blanket and put her out in the shed. And she was left there indefinitely. So in comes Jane Harris, and she's a collector of unusual items that have been deemed haunted. So Peggy was in the shed. Jane rescued her from the shed and took her home because this is what Jane specializes in. <laughs> Sorry, did you say rescued the haunted she dog? Did. She the haunted her. dog needed to be rescued. She did. She was isolated to the shed. So she and she'd been in there for so long. Um, so yeah, in comes Jane, takes Peggy. So it's said that Peggy has the deceased soul of Peggy Hines, who was born in 1922 and who died in 1946 due to chest problems, something to do with her breathing, potentially asthma. Um, so Peggy Hines appears to be of Jewish descent and they think that she was potentially a victim of the Holocaust. Peggy the doll has a crucifix around her neck and apparently Peggy doesn't approve of this. So there have been multiple experiments done on Peggy and her feedback is she doesn't like this crucifix. Um, Peggy the doll doesn't Peggy like the doll doesn't like it. Like the crucifix. Doesn't like it around her. She's okay with the thin eyebrows. She's me. completely fine with that. So what Jane does is Jane does experiments with these items and she determines whether, yes, they're in fact haunted or no. And she believes Peggy is. So I'll talk a little bit about um, some of these experiments. So there was one where Jane brought a whole heap of people into a room with Peggy so she could record how they actually felt when they were looking at Peggy. Who volunteered for that? A whole heap of people, apparently. Like you would. I probably would. I definitely <laughs> would. Um, but, but it said that there was a Scottish lady in the experiment and she was feeling very uncomfortable Um she let Jane know she was feeling very uncomfortable. She wasn't feeling well. She left and apparently suffered a minor heart attack after the experiment, which would make Ooh, sense, right? Because yeah. Peggy's whole thing is to do the breathing, the chest problems, the asthma. So makes sense. So I decided to watch a couple of videos of Peggy. One of them, Jane is doing a reading with her and it's not until the very end of the video, just before Jane is about to close the video, Peggy is standing upright. Nope. And then she completely falls over. Nope. But you know what's even creepier? I tried playing this video three times on my laptop and couldn't get the thing to play. I ended up having to go and find it on YouTube because the site that housed the actual recording kept bringing back errors no so i'm like this is this is a little weird no, right no it's not okay i'm not okay but it gets weirder right um so over 80 people have reported having these symptoms from peggy when these people have these symptoms they usually reach out to jane and say hey not feeling great um can you do anything to help me Jane takes Peggy to an isolated area and she politely asks her to please stop tormenting people 
that look at her image and apparently it works and people report oh I, I completely feel better now I feel completely fine okay but if I see this image of Peggy and you're going to how do we get in contact with Jane and say can you please put Peggy in the naughty corner and ask her to stop with okay. her shit <laughs> so okay I researched Peggy extensively yeah. I looked at videos and images and look I buy into haunted objects I buy into all of that type of stuff but as I was doing this research I started having issues breathing and I had really bad chest pain and heartburn and then my head was pounding I had the worst headache possible and I'm thinking to myself have I viewed too many videos and pictures of Peggy and this is her way of saying get away from me um I don't want a part of this and it took me a good 45 minutes to an hour to actually feel normal again I didn't obviously contact Jane because I thought how long can she torment me for I'll wait her out you would you would wait like instead of seeking like the paranormal soul you would wait it out I waited it out what's what's gonna happen um you die (laughs) You die. Well, I waited it out. I come to I come over to your house and I find you dead on your bathroom floor. <laughs> your cat has half eaten you. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so, yeah, waited it out. Felt fine. Headache went. I was doing a little bit more research last night on Peggy. Master meet, looked at the pictures, felt fine. So, with all of this in mind, we've got a doll. She obviously has some sort of impact is she haunted? Isn't she haunted? Is this one of these things where, um, you know, people are maybe oversensitive? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a skeptic. Mm-hmm. I'm a skeptic. But I have a question for you. Yeah. You want to see her? No. No, I don't. Cool, so I'm going to show you. No! <laughs> no! I'm going to show, show you three pictures. I hope um, you guys appreciate this. I'm taking one for the team. You can't see this. and you, But you can. You can Google it. No, Just but you can't, you can't see what she's showing me. Peggy the doll, and you'll have pages of images of Peggy. So hopefully I've painted a picture of what she looks like. So I'm going to show you a series of three photos, and I want your okay. genuine reaction. Three? Can we just do one? Okay, guys. Um, right, I just—I literally looked for like two seconds, and I'm actually looking away. Uh, if I can describe it to you really quickly, you do. You, everyone knows what Jean Benet Ramsey looks like, right? Mm-hmm. So cut Jean Benet Ramsey's hair much shorter. Mm-hmm. Give her really dodgy plugs. Mm-hmm. Put a pink and white bow in her hair, mm. and that's what this doll looks like. She's got piercing eyes. She really does, and I'm not okay with it. Please take it off the screen. Okay, cool, so I've got two more I want to really quickly show <laughs> You are the worst best friend ever. Oh, I know. <laughs> Strap in. Oh, gosh. It's so bad. So, so this little image is from the actual video where, and, and it's very obvious in this video, Jane's nowhere near this doll, and the doll falls over at the end of the video. Um, okay, but why is the doll standing up? I don't know. I think she was perched against something or I'm not 100% sure. Um, oh, no, no. Like, okay, like the first fit photo was creepy. The second one was like a seance. And now this doll, okay, to describe to you, the doll's kind of slumped over in the chair with its head tilted sideways. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. And it looks like a really mean Cabbage Patch doll. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not okay. 
I don't feel safe. Would you have her in your house? No. I would. I don't have any dolls in my house. My, <laughs> I dad's, my dad's girlfriend has dolls in her house, <laughs> and I refuse to stay in the guest room anymore because that's where she keeps them all. I've seen one of them. I know. I know you have. I sent you a photo of it Christmas two years ago, and every once in a while, this darling friend of mine <laughs> sitting in the same room will send it to me at random intervals during my day just to terrify the snot out of me. I think she's adorable. And like I said, I'd love to have her in my house. And Peggy as well. Peggy's welcome. Peggy, this is your open invite. Okay, so Peggy moves in. We're no longer friends. Husband moves out. (laughs) Max the cat checks out too. (laughs) (laughs) We all have none of it. (laughs) Absolutely. Anyway, that's Peggy the doll. Wow. Number three. So now we're going to talk about the Bella Lugosi mirror. Have you heard of this one before? No, I haven't. I actually hadn't either, but it is reported one of the most haunted items. It's actually in a museum right now for haunted items. But I just have to ask, like, who decides what's the most haunted? Like, is there a board that people go to to, like, get their items (laughs) measured? Is there, like, a judging process? Can we call up and put in our votes? Yeah, I don't know how it works either. Like, is it the number of people that scare shitless? Like, what's the deal? Like, (laughs) anyways, um, the Bela Lugosi mirror. Bela Lugosi was actually a Hungarian-American actor famous for portraying Count Dracula in the 1931 film. So he was the original Dracula. Okay. Uh, The dude himself was said to be a loving family man. He was actually married five times, had lots of kids, but it is said that he did have an interest in the occult. After playing some small parts on stage in his native Hungary, Lugosi got his first role in a film in 1917. He had to leave the country and move to the United States after the failed Hungarian Communist Revolution of 1919. You remember that one, right? Of course. You were there? Yeah. Absolutely. Got the postcard? <laughs> He acted in several films in the Weimar Germany before arriving in the United States as a seaman on a merchant ship. In 1927, he appeared as Count Dracula in the Broadway adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel. So he did it on Broadway first, and then he later appeared in the classic film as well. So he did it live on stage and then did it in the film. And it was said that no one could have done it better. Like, he was Dracula. And if you ever think of Dracula, you're probably thinking of him without knowing it. So it is reported that during his life, Lugosi was obsessed with the occult, particularly the practice of scrying. Do you know what that is? I have no idea what that is. So scrying is the practice of looking into a suitable medium, like a mirror or a crystal ball, in the hopes of detecting messages from spirits or visions of the past or future. So scrying um, into a mirror... It's believed you can see the gods, devils, spirits, or even your own psychic line. It's actually reported that Nostradamus accurately predicted his own death by scrying. Okay. So it's claimed that Lugosi used this mirror for scrying after his wife died and he used the mirror to try and contact her. Now, mirrors in general are somewhat spiritual. I'm sure you've heard lots of different urban myths and rumors about mirrors um, you know, Bloody Mary being one of them. Um, there's a couple of other ones as well. But yeah, there's there's the Bye Bye Man, which is also <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> so yeah, there's Bloody Mary. There's there's the Bye Bye Man. Um, there's a few. I don't think I need to know anything more. The name says it all. <laughs> bye Bye Man. 
But anyways, mirrors are spiritual in a lot of cultures. Um, a lot of ancient cultures believed that they were reflections from another realm. So they weren't seeing their ancestors. They were seeing a whole other level of existence. Mm-hmm. Um, many people said that they could define their past, present, or future by looking into a mirror. And others say they are straight-up portals into the spirit world. Lugosi had this mirror until his death on the 16th of August in 1956. So it sat in his home for quite a number of years until in 1982, a man named Frank Salieri rented Lugosi's home. Now, the mirror was actually behind a curtain in what would have been Lugosi's bedroom. Um, But Frank took that bedroom over as the master bedroom. Now, unfortunately for Frank, it is reported that he died a horrific death in that bedroom in front of the mirror. Sati Larry was a criminal lawyer and part-time producer, writer, director, and actor. He wrote several films and scripts, um, some of which were spoofs of classic horror films, and he succeeded in producing one, Blackenstein, in 1973, which was kind of like a spoof version of Frankenstein. By all accounts, he was a fun-loving man. However, he was brutally murdered in the home on Primrose Avenue in Los Angeles. His body was found on July 12th of 1982, bound up in the master bedroom with a single gunshot to the back of the head. This was referred to as a gangland execution style murder and many reports it for a mob hit. So the reason that they think this is that he had screwdrivers in the back of his elbows, in the back of his knees and in the back of his head. So he was shot in the head, and then the screwdrivers were put in to dig out the bullets. So that's why people think it was like a gangland hit. Like, casual, right? Like, when they're sitting around coming up with the murder plot, they're like, did you bring your screwdrivers? Yeah, we've got stuff to do. Get your <laughs> screwdrivers out. Is that your mobster voice? <laughs> that is my mobster voice, I love actually. It. <laughs> um, so sadly, the murder is still unsolved to this day, but it is thought that if Bella used this mirror as any kind of portal during his life that this portal would have remained open and therefore captured the evil of this murder and kept that evil essence inside of the mirror itself. Now, Frank's nieces actually inherited the mirror a few years later. That was my next question. Where's the mirror? Yeah. So Frank's nieces actually inherited Bella Lugosi's mirror and they just thought it was a really nice old ornate looking mirror. So they stuck it in the guest bedroom Um, And it was actually owned by one niece, but she had a younger sister. So the younger sister was staying over at the older niece's house. Trying to get that right in my head. Yeah, that's right. And she stayed over the night and she was looking into this mirror, um, brushing her hair, getting ready for bed. And all of a sudden she sees this dark shadowy figure appear in the mirror. And she's thinking she's going crazy. So she looks in closer and she starts to feel this really sharp pain in her neck and she can see a figure biting into her neck she freaks out a little bit as you would she leans forward and a hand reaches out from the mirror to grab at her she screams runs out of the room freaks out from that day the family had so much bad luck they were getting into car accidents they were losing jobs they had lost pregnancies they had lost relationships and it all seemed to correlate to the day that this mirror showed up in the house and so now the nieces are not feeling comfortable with this object Mm -hmm. in their house so they donated it to 
Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. Yes. <laughs> Zachy Bags. He's got his own show. Yeah, I, he's got many shows. Oh, I was looking into him and I was like, yes. Next ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But anyways, it's sitting in um, Zach Baggins uh, Museum. Is it in a case? It's not in a case. It's just okay. on the wall. But you're going to love this. Yeah. So... Your favorite artist, Post Malone, visited Zach Baggins' museum. Oh, I saw that video. And he actually was dared to look into the mirror and he freaked out. That's right. But he was touching the Dybbuk box at the yes. same time. That, that's, and then he had the plane issue where yes. it's plane nearly crashed. Yes. Yes. I so recall. this all happened on the same day and he looked into the mirror. He didn't see anything. He didn't reportedly see anything, but he yeah. just felt really terrible after that. Yeah. Um, but on doing further research on this, we did find a couple of points that we need to highlight, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so Bella Lugosi's family have done a wonderful job preserving his mem- memory, and there's actually an organization and a website to go along with it, um, and they've done a really good job of doing a bibliography of his life, um, carrying on his legacy, publishing his works, um, and they report that they have nothing to verify that Bela Lugosi was ever interested in the occult, that he ever scried, or that he ever tried to contact his ex-wife, or dead wife, through scrying. He actually had five wives, like I mentioned before, and none of them died while they were together. So there is no dead wife. So that's kind of debunked a little bit. Um, It's also... Strange that it was said that Frank moved into Bella Lugosi's house, but there's no record anywhere, and they've got pretty good records. There's no record anywhere of him ever owning the house on Primrose Avenue. So it's believed that if he did live there, it was just rented. It was never owned by him. So there's a lot of maybe mm. nots with this particular item, yeah, but fair. that is Bella Lugosi's mirror. Awesome. Love it. Number two. I'm going to tell you about another doll. Like, why? Why not? Like, another doll. Another doll. I'm going to tell you about Robert the doll. So, we've got a doll. Originally belonged to Robert Otto. And eventually he was um, a very unusual artist. So it's said that the doll was actually made by his grandfather while on a trip to Germany in 1904 for Robert when he was a young boy. So apparently the doll was created and given to Robert wearing an, an outfit that Robert would often wear. Does so, he wear like a creepy sailor suit? He does. So he's dressed in a little sailor suit with a sailor's hat. Um, he's got this yellowy brown skin colour. And wear marks all over him. Mm. Also, Robert has a little dog sitting on his lap. And this little dog is brown and he has very worn eyes. And people often say, oh, the dog's super creepy. Well, the doll's super creepy too. (laughs) (laughs) So Robert and his doll were the best of friends. He took the doll with him everywhere. Everywhere Robert went, Robert the doll went. So there's stories of where... Um, something would happen in the house, um, you know, toys across the floor or something falling and breaking. And apparently Robert the boy would always say, Mum, Dad, I didn't do that. It was Robert the doll. Mm. 
<laughs> I used to have an imaginary friend that I used to blame stuff on too. <laughs> so it's it was much kids, like that. Same. <laughs> uh, the, 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 really the unusual thing is Robert actually kept the doll his entire life. So even after his young boy turned into a man, he kept the doll with him his entire life. Sorry, so, can I just ask a really quick question? Did he ever have sex? <laughs> Don't think I can answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> so after Robert the man's death, mm-hmm. his house was sold. Mm-hmm. There was apparently a clause in the contract of the sale that Robert the doll would remain one of the occupants in the attic. New owners bought the property with this particular clause in it. Knowing that there was a doll in the attic. Knowing there's a doll in the attic. That was part of the contract. That is just terrifying. Continue. (laughs) So the house was purchased by a lady, um, Myrtle, in 1974. And obviously the doll came as part of the purchase. So... Myrtle had a bit of a rough time and she claimed that she found the doll moving around the house on its own and she was completely convinced that the doll was haunted. She also reported things like footsteps in the attic, laughing, um, just very weird noises throughout the house. Um, There was once a plumber who was doing some work on the property and he reported that the doll moved from one side of the room to the other completely by itself. No. So Myrtle felt very uncomfortable and she (laughs) ended up donating the doll to a museum in 1994. She dies a few months later. It's not not related. The doll was donated to a museum. And in the museum, Robert soon became very well known. Soon as Robert arrived in the museum, the museum staff's staff started seeing and hearing weird things. It's said that Robert actually likes to play with electronics, so cameras and other devices. I mean, makes sense. He's a little boy, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Apparently for the museum, Robert is their biggest attraction. People come from all around the world to visit Robert um, and to be in his presence. So... Museum staff are hearing and seeing unusual things. Um, but each year in October, Robert actually leaves the museum that he lives at and he goes to a different museum. It's a, it's a roadshow of some type. Mm-hmm. According to the museum staff, as soon as Robert leaves the museum, it goes into what they describe as meltdown. So there are other presences in the museum and they love having Robert there and they want him back as soon as possible. So things start to go crazy in the museum. Things start moving, things start falling, things start crashing. So the museum staff actually have to go and request Robert back from the roadshow to come back into the museum to calm the place down again. And apparently when Robert re-enters, the place goes back to normal. So who is it that figures this out? Because it's like the most random thing ever. Yeah, this is the museum staff. So they say that things just go absolutely crazy when Robert's not there. But when he's there, everything's calm. They're not having things crashing and falling and breaking and all the rest of it. These weird occurrences are less with Robert there. Hmm. Um, So one of the museum workers who opens each day, she actually announces her arrival And she lets Robert and the rest of the museum know she's coming in. 
Um, she says, please let me come in. Um, I'm coming into the premises to do my job. She comes to work one day um, and she had closed the night before mm-hmm. and walked into a chair sitting in front of Robert and where Robert is housed. So I think this is a perfect point for me to explain how Robert is housed. So because he's such an old doll, he actually sits in a glass case. Mm-hmm. So completely glassed in. What's more interesting, though, is if you look behind Robert on the wall, there are pictures and letters all over the wall. Mm-hmm. And I'll get to those. I'm, I'm starting to feel less okay as you keep talking. <laughs> so people claim that Robert is responsible for car accidents, broken bones, job loss, divorce, many other events. Um, what often happens is people come to the museum and there'll be some people who poke fun at Robert. They might bang on his case, um, make derogatory comments, and it's said that Robert impacts these people after they leave the museum. On average, Robert gets three letters a day, and these are not fan letters. These are generally apologies from people who have been disrespectful to him, begging for his forgiveness, because they've left and unusual things have happened to them. Okay, so Robert sounds a little bit like a mafia Dan. Like, he keeps everyone in check. He does. He demands apologies when he's been wronged. And, and he, he will end you. And he, he does. He does apparently do these things. Car accidents, broken bones, unusual occurrences. And these people realise and they go, you know, it's the, the disrespect. Mm. It's it's from the way that I treated him. Mm. Um, not only that, people actually send emails to Robert. So he gets lots of emails as well. Um, and apparently there are people running his social media accounts Robert has his own social media accounts. Oh, my gosh. So so Robert is infamous, right? Mm-hmm. What's more interesting is Robert has a caretaker. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of research into this particular lady, and she actually has... Brain damage? No, <laughs> a PhD in Supernatural. So That's a thing? It's a thing. Wow. So she comes in once a year, and she... Takes Robert, she does a physical assessment on him mm-hmm. to make sure that he's okay, there's nothing broken, there's no additional wear and tear. Keeping in mind he's in a case, so you would expect very minimal. Mm. But what she does is she sits Robert down and she reads him all the emails and letters and she fills him in on his social media accounts. Like, where are you at? You, where are you at in your life? When your job, your main description of your job is reading emails and letters and socials to a doll. Like, explain that at your high school reunion. And the most unusual thing is whenever she is interviewed, she's not sure if he is haunted. But she gives it the benefit of the doubt. You know, Mm -hmm. there are too many common stories and common, common threads here. So, you know, she does her job, which is to go in as his caretaker and to look after him. Right. So, the question for me is, is Robert the doll haunted? Yes. Um, I, I think he generally seems pretty harmless, right? Um, 
I get he doesn't want people coming into his location and making fun of him. Um, I don't know that I would enter into a museum where there are potentially haunted items and I'd be making fun of those items or banging on his case. I mean, whether you're a believer or not, it just comes down to being respectful of someone else's belongings and whether that that belonging belongs to an actual person or it's an artifact that belongs to a historical society. It's just about respect. So you you shouldn't go in and being like, oh, you're a dumb doll, tap, 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 like, that's right. You kind of deserve to get messed with. Yeah, and and even if you are a non-believer, I wouldn't like to tempt fate, right? Right. Um, so for me, I wouldn't approach Robert in that fashion. Um, so I've got some pictures. Of course you do. <laughs> so just in case you're wondering, no, no, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is the 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 so I'm showing her an image now of Robert sitting on his chair. She's showing me a portal to hell, not an image. He um okay, can I he, that he, dog is not a little creepy. That dog is it, it looks like it has a melted face. He's old. They're both old. They're from the 1900s. Like I mean, a slap. I was also born in the 1900s. I don't look like that. Were you born in 1904? <laughs> so, yeah, like I mean but if you compare Peggy to Robert, mm. night. yeah, like completely. Robert is, in my opinion, not as intimidating as Peggy the doll. But um, I've got uh, another, and I'll show. Respectfully shoot. disagree. <laughs> he's not. He's not cute. He's not okay. I. He reminds me of Mike Myers. His face reminds me of Mike Myers because it's very white. The facial features are not very well distinguished and it's kind of got holes in it everywhere. It does. Robert, if you're listening, we're peeps. I'm good, man. Like, you're cool. I'm just describing it for the lovely listeners out there. Please don't come at me. And you know that apparently people have reported that Robert's facial features change. So people have reported that at one point in time he will have like a content look on his face and then another point in time he'll have an angry look on his face. So people report that his Im- like his face completely changes. Is that kind of like a Mona Lisa thing where some people... Right. Or is it that his face has reported to change? And that's the thing. Who knows? And you can see in this image the, the wall behind him is just covered in photos, letters... Can you take him off? I feel icky. I can, I can take him off. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's the story of Robert the Doll. Um, yeah, yikes. Robert, you're welcome to pop by. No, you're There's not. plenty of room at my house. Um, stop by her house. <laughs> I will FaceTime in to make sure everyone's okay, but then I want nothing to do with you. On to the next. And number one. So... As I was just saying, <laughs> I was saying off air, it's a good thing I like you because we're stuck in a small room together all day today. <laughs> but now we're talking about the Tolman bunk beds. Um, I'm going to ask the question I've been asking all day. Heard of them before? Briefly. Okay. I, I don't know a lot though. Let's dive right in to the spooky ooky goodness. In February 1987, Alan and Debbie Tolman and their three children move into a new home in Horican, Wisconsin. And I apologize to all the people from Wisconsin who are yelling at me right now for saying that wrong. Um, Alan and Debbie had two girls around the same age and a little boy. 
Um, when they moved into this house, they described it as being their dream home. It was perfect. It had exactly what they wanted. It was a little older, so they needed to do a few cosmetic updates, but nothing major. So they were really stoked to be moving in. Um, soon after moving into this house, Debbie noticed her three always healthy children started getting sick all the time. So one of them would get a fever and then the other one would get a fever and then the other one would get sick. And it just sort of was this round circle thing. And she figured, you know, it's probably the stress of moving, being in a new school, exposed to different germs. She sort of played it off as a little strange, but nothing, nothing terribly sinister. But the kids were always sick. In the new house, the two youngest daughters were sharing a room together and then their youngest son would have his own bedroom. So Debbie decides to be a amazing mum and get the girls bunk beds. Like, super fun, right? <laughs> did you have bunk beds when you were a kid? No. Oh, I did. I had bright pink ones. They weren't haunted. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she goes to a local thrift store because she wanted to see if she could find bunk beds for her daughters. She comes across this pair of bunk beds that are in almost perfect condition, as in they look like they've never even been used. Super lucky and they were super cheap. So she buys them. Score. Yeah. Brings them home, sets them up in the girls' bedroom. Everyone's super excited. The girls are fighting over who gets the top bunk. As you do. Me personally, I like the bottom bunk because I like to mess with people on the top bunk. <laughs> um, so at this point, it's May of 1987. And their first night in the house with the bunk beds. And all the kids are off in, asleep in their own rooms. Now, Alan and Alan was in his son's room saying goodnight to him, giving, a, giving him a kiss on the cheek, you know, tucking him in, making sure he's got his water and he's all set and everything. And his son asks his dad, hey, dad, can you turn the radio on for me? Now, remembering this is 1987, right? There's no, there's no, there's no iPods or anything back in those days. So the radio was pretty much it. And he liked the sound of that static of the radio going to sleep. So he asked dad, can you put it on? So Alan turns on the radio, sets the dial. It's one of those old school radios where you have to manually adjust the dial. It's not like a digital one. So he sets it and he kisses the sun goodnight and goes to bed. A short while after going to his bed and settling in for the night, Alan's son comes into his room and says, Dad, the radio station changed. Can you come and set it for me? Because he didn't know how to set it. And Alan's thinking, well, I just turned it on. What do you mean it's changed? And the son said, I don't know. I was listening to it and then all of a sudden it switched off. And now it's just on static and I can't figure out how to put it back. So Alan just thinks whatever the kid's messing with it. He goes into the room, sets it back on and goes back to bed. Now the sun is laying there for a few more minutes and then the channels start changing frantically between stations. Like it's making that really weird mm. staticky changing sound. And then all of a sudden it just switches off and he couldn't get it to turn back on. So he goes into his dad's room again, and Alan's getting a bit annoyed at this time because he's trying to go to sleep. You know, he's got to go to work. Um, he is trying to figure out how to put it back on, and Alan's just having no luck with it. So he gets he gets annoyed with it, unplugs the radio, says, go to bed, go to sleep, goes back to his bed to go back to sleep. And then five minutes later, the kid starts screaming. The radio is changing channels, even though it's not plugged in. <laughs> Perfect. It's exactly what you want at bedtime. And Alan is thinking, this kid's got an overactive imagination. That's absolutely yeah. not possible. He's a very practical dad. 
So he takes the radio out of the room and that's it for that night. No more, no more incidences. So later in interviews, because the family did interviews many years later, Alan admits that he got pretty upset with his son and he probably shouldn't have. So soon the family forgets all about this incident and then the summer turns into the winter and people are still getting sick, but nothing really strange happens. By this time, though, the family's not doing really well. They haven't had a good solid night's sleep in months. Every single night, someone in the household is having these really vivid, violent nightmares. And it's happening to the parents, too. So um, Debbie and Alan are also having these nightmares. So the kids are waking up screaming and crying. The parents are wake, waking up being shook. No one is having a full night's sleep and everyone's just miserable and cranky and snipping at each other and they're at each other's throats because no one is sleeping. So if it wasn't nightmares keeping them up at night, they would hear noises, like creaking noises, you know, stuff that could mm. kind of easily be dismissed. Yeah, as you... the house settling or yeah, yeah. You know, someone, you know, something outside like an animal. Yeah, or is it the wind, you know? Yeah. They didn't think it was anything too sinister. Debbie said that sometimes in the middle of the night, she would hear the two youngest girls playing. And when we say the middle of the night, we're talking about two o'clock in the morning. So this one night, she hears the two girls giggling, laughing, playing, crashing around in their bedrooms. Now, being a mom, she's very upset at this. She gets up, storms into the girls' bedrooms, ready to yell at them. And she finds both the kids sound asleep in their beds. And she hears these two girls playing loudly before this. Yeah. Okay, so not possible that it was the girls, right? Not at all possible. The girls were dead to the world. Pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so about a week later after this incident with the girls, Alan is down in the basement. Again, you know, my feelings on basements. Love them. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but he's deciding to create himself a little bit of a man cave down there. So... First thing he notices, it needs a coat of paint. So he's down there on a weekend with his coat of paint. He's listening to his sports on the radio and he's painting the basement. Um, the kids are upstairs with Debbie and they're having a nice day. And Debbie's just about to make lunch. And she yells out to Alan, I'm going to make lunch. He goes, yep, cool. Call me when you're done. And he's painting away. Debbie finishes making lunch and she calls out to Alan, lunch is ready. He specifically remembers putting a paintbrush on the side of the paint can with the bristles horizontal to the paint can. He specifically remembers that because he thought, I don't want to put it on the floor because I don't want to mark up the floor. I don't want to put it in the paint can because I don't want the brush to absorb the paint. He specifically put it in a certain way while he was having lunch. He went upstairs, had lunch. He comes back down after lunch to find the brush straight up in the middle of the paint can. And he's thinking... Well, it definitely wasn't the kids messing with me. It wasn't Debbie because mm -hmm. we were all just sitting at the lunch table together. So what's going on? Well, he just thinks he's losing his mind. He's like, I must have brushed it when I walked past up the stairs. Which is the first thing you'd think. He's, he's you know, logicaling it away. Yeah. Do you like that word? I loved it. Made it up. <laughs> so this happens with the paint can, but again, he just brushed it off thinking he was being forgetful. Alan really didn't want to believe in ghosts or anything and he but he just knew that deep down something about this house was off like he just had a feeling something's off yeah but he definitely was not going to admit to anyone it was ghosts or spirits or anything like that because he's far too practical for that um that night one of the girls was sleeping in the bunk beds and began screaming in the middle of the night now it's not just like a giggly scream it's not just the ah 
Yeah. It's the type of scream that will curdle your blood. Yeah. The type of scream that woke up both the parents immediately and had them running at full speed into the girl's room. They ran into the bedroom to find their daughter screaming and crying, claiming that there was a witch in their bedroom. The daughter said that the witch was watching them and she was by the door. She described the witch to Abby and De- Ab- Abby and De- Deben, <laughs> Alan and Debbie, as having red eyes and being really evil looking. And she said she was by the door and she hid whenever the parents came into the room. The daughter continues to explain the witch had set her room on fire and that's why she was screaming. Was there an actual fire? There was no fire. Okay. All right. Just as Debbie and Alan calm their daughters down and convince them it was all a dream, their son comes rushing into the room. Now, remember, the son's in a different yeah. bedroom. He said to his parents, I just saw the same thing. There's an old lady and she's watching us and she keeps setting things in the house on fire. So all three kids are saying, yeah. there's a witch setting stuff on fire. Yeah. Now, Debbie is starting to believe her kids. Because the kids are generally good kids. They're truthful. They're not ones to tell stories, right? And you've got three saying the same thing. Exactly. So as the days pass, Debbie gets this feeling stronger and stronger that there's a presence in the home and she just didn't feel safe there. And I think that's with a lot of these stories, it comes down to that personal feeling. Of safety, that, yeah. Exactly right. And that feeling of, I don't feel safe in this environment. Mm-hmm. So this feeling is growing in Debbie. It's getting more intense. And one night they're sitting down to have dinner and they just hear doors start to open and shut and slam randomly. And remembering all members of the family are at the dinner table. There's no wind in the house. There's no way this could be explained. The next day, Debbie was in the basement doing laundry and she heard strange voices calling out to her or calling out by name, saying things like, come here come here that was my best american ghost accent you're welcome so she's like folding the laundry you know doing the tidy whities and she hears come here like all i can think of is a bit there for that <laughs> um debbie told alan about this when he came home from work but he played it off as an overactive imagination doing the dad thing again that same night debbie heard these voices calling out to her in her sleep and she woke up to her son screaming Debbie and Alan went in to check on him and he claimed that he saw a dark cloud in the corner of his room. Whatever it was, was watching him and telling him they were going to kill his family. Casual, right? Casual. Yeah. A week before Christmas, they get a Christmas tree, they set it all up, and the son has, at this point, refusing to sleep in his bedroom. As you would. As you would. Absolutely. So he's taking the opportunity to sleep on the lounge right by the Christmas tree. See the pretty lights. Wait for Santa. Yep, wait for Santa. It's not quite Christmas yet, but it's the week of Christmas. And you know how kids get, get all excited. So he's sleeping on the couch um, in the living room. And all of a sudden, he opens his eyes and starts screaming because he sees an older woman standing over him. Now, he describes describes the woman as having red eyes and being just evil looking. She told the little boy that she was going to hurt his family and set the house on fire. He screams. The parents come downstairs. He is inconsolable. Mm. He tells the parents what has happened and he just begs his parents, can we please just leave? Can we please, please, please just leave? At this point, Alan is sick of this shit. 
right? Like he is done. He is tired. His family is tired. Yeah. They haven't slept. They're all being tormented. So he does the one thing you never do in a haunted situation, which is challenges the ghosts. No. Yes. He says in the loud dad voice, stop messing with my family. You are not welcome here. If you're going to pick on anybody, pick on me. See, I've heard the cut it out, stop doing it actually works. But I think where he failed is the challenge. Mm -hmm. Bring it to me. Well, I heard you're not supposed to, if there's an entity in your house, I heard you're not supposed to acknowledge them at all because once you acknowledge them, it gets worse. Okay. That's what I've heard. But, like, you know, I have my whole degree in paranormal whatever. <laughs> Said no one ever except that one lady who looks after Robert the doll. Um, but he's challenged the ghost at this point. Um, the next day, Debbie and Alan decide to contact their pastor to come over to the house and just... Bless the house. Bless the house. Do a little bit of a cleansing. As soon as the pastor walks into the house, he's like, this place is evil. If you can, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. This is coming from the pastor. He told the Talmans, um, whatever the presence was, it was draining the energy from their children. And that's why they were always getting sick. They okay. were the energy drained from them. He blesses the house and leaves. And for a couple of weeks there, everything seems to be calming down a little bit. The kids are actually sleeping through the night. Everyone's thinking, okay, great. The pastor's done his job. We can go back to our normal lives. Three weeks later, 2 a.m., this is January 7th, 1988, Alan's working the night shift, and he comes home from work at around 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, when he gets there, it is a cold winter night. There is no wind. It is a dead still night, but it is very cold. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. He parks his car in the driveway, and as he's walking up towards his house... He gets this really loud, gushing wind sound, but there's absolutely no wind. So it's like, you know, really creepy kind of wind. And there's a disembodied voice in this wind telling him, come here, come here. Now, Alan, pure skeptic, right? He decides to be brave and go check out where, the, where he thinks the sound is coming from, which is the backyard. Mm -hmm. So he locks the car. And in his hand, he has a lunch pail and he walks to the backyard to check out what's going on. He gets back there. There's absolutely nothing back there. No wind, no animals, nothing, no people. He's thinking, okay, I'm just tired. It's two o'clock in the morning. I'm hearing things. Yeah, as I'm, you do. I'm going back into the house. So as he's walking up to the house, he notices a orange glow coming from the garage. And he's thinking, that's really strange. Did one of the kids leave a flashlight or something mm -hmm. on in the garage? And he walks up closer to the garage and he starts seeing smoke. And he starts seeing what looks like little embers popping out from the bottom of the garage. He freaks out and thinks, oh my gosh, the garage is on fire. He runs towards the house to go get a fire extinguisher. So he goes to unlock the front door and he's still carrying his lunch pail. At this time, the lunch pail is knocked violently out of his hand, smashes against the wall, smashes a light. He runs inside to grab the fire extinguisher, comes back out in a hurry because he's worried about his family, and there's absolutely no fire. There's nothing in the garage. There's no smoke, no embers, nothing. It's a completely cold and still night. Alan goes back inside, 
completely freaked out, as you would. As you would. But after this incident, that's when Alan decides, okay, this is enough. And he starts sleeping in his daughter's room because he decides, I need to be in there to protect the youngest kids. Mm -hmm. There's something going on here. I need to be in there to protect them. Yeah, the common thread being everyone's seeing these fires. Mm, Yeah. Um, So he starts sleeping in their bedroom. And after a few days, things are just not right in the house. So he starts demanding the entire family to sleep in one room. So his wife, his son, and the two kids are all sleeping in the same room. And it's the only way they can get any kind of sleep. But Alan is working the night shift and he can't be there every single night. So he goes back to work and he asks his brother, look, I can't be there tonight. I'm worried about the girls um, and my son. Would you mind being there with them? Because I just don't want them alone. And he explains to his brother, look, I think there's a ghost in the house. And his brother is, okay, there's a ghost in the house. You know, like... Skeptic. Yeah, complete skeptic. And his brother's like, yeah, no worries, man. I got you. I got you. So his brother goes over to the house and they decide, um, Debbie and the brother-in-law decide Debbie's going to sleep with the son Mm -hmm. and he's going to sleep in the girl's room. So they split them back up again. And at about two o'clock in the morning, the brother-in-law is woken up and he doesn't know what woke him up, but he just recalls a very loud banging sound as if someone had run up to the bedroom door and hurled their body against the door. That's how he describes that sound. Like, could you imagine being mm-hmm. in a dead sleep and then all of a sudden hearing someone hurl themselves at a door? Yes, I've had similar experiences. Okay, no. <laughs> Been there. Um, so after this happens, he sits straight up in his bed and he sees a dark figure in the corner of the room and he just gets this un- overwhelming, unbelievable sense that this, this whatever it is has been watching them and something really bad is about to happen. He screams out to Debbie, grab your kids, grab your stuff, we're out of here, we're done. And Debbie's, thank God, I have been begging for weeks to leave. (laughs) So after that, the family left the house and they actually didn't return ever again. Did they send someone to get their stuff? Yeah, so um, it's reported that a few weeks later, they had removalists come and they actually dropped the bunk beds off at a disposal site, like a, a dump to be destroyed because they didn't want anyone else to have that experience. But when the Talmans moved, they never had a haunting ever again. And the house was actually occupied yet again after they moved out and they never had any paranormal experiences. Definitely the bunk beds. Definitely bummer bunk beds. <laughs> Who would think, a, like, it's these unusual objects for me. Mm-hmm. You would never think bunk beds equal potentially haunted item no i would think bunk beds equal potential head injury but not haunted item <laughs> never a haunted and item these are the ones that get me these very unusual ones this unsuspecting item that turns out to have some sort of spirit attached to it so no one knows why there was a spirit attached to the bunk bed how the spirit got attached to the bunk beds or even if it was the bunk beds that were haunted or it was just the house mm. But that is the Tolman bunk beds. Love it. Where do I get a set? Our first podcast in the bag. That's all the time we have today to talk to you about the items that keep on taking. If you have any suggestions about what you'd like to listen to in the future, you can drop us a chirp on Twitter. Our handle is at the big list pod. 
or follow us on Instagram at the Big List Podcast. Make fun of us on TikTok at the Big List Podcast. Or go old school and send us an email at biglistpod at gmail.com. Now, next time, we are going to be talking about drumroll. Um, we're talking about Slenderman. Slenderman, the myth. The man. The mystery. The legend. <laughs> <laughs> and this list is going to be big. big.